At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hey there, welcome to Polly Campbell's Simply Write, where we talk about the craft and quirks of creating a writer's life and a professional writing career. I think you can do it. I think there are lots of ways of doing it. If you've heard the show, you know I've been writing for 26 years professionally, and that means I've done just about everything except chisel my name on stone tablets. I've done newsletters and websites and brochures. I've written uh, several books and essays and articles for magazines, and I'm now just dipping my toe into fiction. So I think it's always interesting to talk about the way we can enter into this lifestyle. Because for me, writing was really about creating a lifestyle so I could do the work I wanted to do. Today I'm working, well, I have a doctor's appointment for my daughter, so I'm running her to and from back to school. I'm writing correspondence to a couple of other authors I'd like to get on the show, working on a fiction project and an essay for my simplywritesubstack.com for readers who want to go behind the scenes and, and learn more about how to create the habits and the craft uh, to develop a writing career. Um, you can hit me up with your questions there too, and we have author Q&As there also. Working as a professional writer is also about running a business. Yes, you've got to get the writing done. Your stories are the product, the commodity, right? The art. But you've also got to send out the invoices and connect with readers and develop the clients and ideas and get the writing done. So my days are spent mostly moving in several different directions. And that's okay with me. I, I like that. I like that diversity. And um, so that's one of those days. I'm doing the correspondence and the writing and a blog post and an article. And I'm also talking to fiction writer, one of my favorites. I'm so excited. Lori Rader Day. Lori is a Chicago crime fiction author and the Edgar Award nominated Antha Agatha Anthony and Mary Higgins Clark award winning author of Death at Greenway, The Lucky One, Under a Dark Sky, The Day I Died, Little Pretty Things, The Black Hour. Lori, I love your stuff. I'm fangirling. I'm excited. I, I finished Death of Greenway earlier in the year, and I want to talk about that a little bit, too, because that was different than the other ones I've read of yours, like the lucky one. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Lori Raider Day. Thanks so much for having me, Polly. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. What are you working on today? You heard kind of my to-do list. What do you got going? 
Uh, let's see. Well, it was um, finding a quiet place in my house to talk to you. That was uh, <laughs> a bit of a chore with um, all the lawn services starting up at probably the moment that I needed it to be quiet. Of course. Um, doing a little bit of getting ready to revise. I don't know if I can call it revising yet because I haven't opened the document, but I'm sort of gathering my thoughts and making some notes about um, what I want to do on the first revision of my first draft of this novel, mm. um, which, which I have no title for. I have no elevator pitch for. Um, so those are things that are sort of on the horizon. I need to start getting, uh, figure out what the book is actually about and how I want to talk about it. Okay, I want to dive right into that. When you say figure out what the book is actually about, now you've written the first draft, right? I have. So I know what happens in the story. And I know, you know, I know the full story now. And that's a great place to be. I am what we call a pantser, someone who writes by the seat of her pants. Um, I sometimes will have something sort of out in the distance that I'm writing toward. Uh, maybe I know what the last scene is, or maybe I know where I want my character to end up, or Maybe there's something that I, you know, some twist that I have um, figured out. But beyond that, I learn most of what I want the story to be by writing the story. I learn about the characters. I figure out who they are and what they want, how they're going to get there, what they're willing to do. Um, but that's all, you know, stuff you learn while digging, not um, sitting and thinking about it and writing it down as an outline. I, I can't work that way. I wish I could. It seems like it might be a, a really <laughs> uh, great way to work. Um, but that's just never how I have approached any kind of writing. So, so I know what it, I, so I know what happens in the story, but I need to figure out how I want to talk about that and what themes that I have uh, managed to you know cultivate. So the revision then is a pretty extensive process for you. It's another aspect of writing for you. Yeah, it's very much another aspect of writing. And I will do, I have done in the past, very heavy revisions, um, sometimes rather late in the game. Uh, at one point, my agent said something that has haunted me to this day and probably will uh, maybe show up on my tombstone someday. No one does it like this, Lori. She said to me, <laughs> not knowing at all that that would be the sort of thing that a writer would you know, take to heart and think, oh no, oh no, I'm doing it wrong. Um, but I, I believe, and I think you mentioned this, there are so many ways to get the work done. Um, there is no wrong way. It's just, this is how it works for me. This is how I get the best book out of myself each time. I think that's valuable to know because, uh, when I was starting out, I, I'm, I'm a good rule follower, you know, I'm one of those kids. And when I was starting out, I uh, I tried to follow all the rules and I was pretty lost if if they didn't work for me or if I had a different take on something or and finally I realized the best way to go is whatever way helps me get the work out on time and, and the work I want to create. Absolutely. I'm a rule follower too. And when you start reading these, I like to read um, craft books. Yes. You know, books about writing. I love them. I've actually been rereading uh, them all summer as a way to get into writing each day, which is, um, has been working strangely enough, you know, rereading bird by bird by Anne Lamont, which is mm. one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and just, you know, reading a few pages until I'm inspired and then I open up my own document and start working. But I, I, when I first was approaching writing and thinking, okay, how, how do you do it? How do you 
how do you write a novel specifically? Because I, I had been writing my, most of my life, but how do you write a, a long story? How do you make that work? I read all the books. And if you read all the books, they're just, there are so many rules and so many pieces of advice that contradict each other. And you can really get boxed in and, and just frozen in terror <laughs> that you're going to break one of these rules or one of these pieces of advice. Um, but frozen in terror is not a great place from which to work. So um, I, I like the books now that are the most inspirational. They make me remember that I, I do enjoy this, that I do like to tell stories and that uh, writing is actually part of the benefit. It's not publishing. Publishing is great, but um, the act of writing when you're actually doing it can also be um, part of the reward. I absolutely agree. I think publishing makes it the job, like it allows me to do more writing, but there's been, and, and I've published nonfiction, I've not published fiction, but there's not ever been a result in publishing that was more valuable than actually getting the work done. Even though some days getting that work done for me is filled with self-doubt and angst and stress and cannot do it and I'll never write again. <laughs> and do you face that kind of self-doubt yourself? Do you go through those moments? Oh God, Polly. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you heard me uh, just say that I had to use, you know, Anne Lamott to, as a crutch to get into writing each day, um, that is my don't wanna. I don't mm -hmm. wanna. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do it today. Um, but I and I don't actually think you have to do it every day. You don't have to write every day to be a writer. But I have found that the more days in a row that I can stack up having done some work on especially a large project like a novel, the better off I am, the better the story is, the more I can just do some work on it instead of having to get back into it again, which takes that build. But I am definitely the person who has trouble um, getting to the page. F. I think part of the problem is once I'm in it, I know that I'm going to be doing pretty much just that for several hours. And so there's a sort of, oh, there are other things I need to do. There are other emails I need to answer. There are, you know, organizational uh, volunteer things that I do or have done that I need to get done as well. So it's sometimes procrastination and sometimes it's I have other things I need to do. Um, and then once I sink into writing, then I know I'm going to be there for several hours. Yeah, I, I get that. How do you do it in your daily schedule? You, you said you don't necessarily have to write every day, but you, you feel like it works better when you do. How do you work it? I'm really a middle of the day kind of person. <laughs> I'm not an early bird. I'm not a, a you know a night owl um, in work or in life, but um, I, I don't necessarily do it first thing. I think it does take sometimes a little bit of gearing up for it. Um, and that's why the the reading of the craft books, you know, reading a couple of pages of this or that was um, a way to, okay, now I'm, I'm writing because I'm, I'm thinking about writing and I get inspired and then I go work. So that sometimes can be in the morning, but it's not first thing. Usually I need to have my tea, Polly. This is very important to me to have the tea, to get woken up a little bit. Um, but I'm also not a late night person. I, I think, again, this is up to who you are. Are you the kind of person who um, really needs that those quiet hours after everyone else has gone to sleep? Then night owling it is the right you know, way to go. And if you're an early bird who has the time at that moment, then that's, that's when you should do it. 
for me, it takes a little bit of gearing up and then uh, middle of the day. And then I like to be done um, by dinner time so I can have dinner with my husband and, and, you know, take my dog for a walk and that sort of thing. Live life. Yeah. Live life. Cause that's part of it too. I, I really, really want to be an early morning writer. I really do. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I have this kid, she's a teenager now, so I, she's more independent, but I remember when she was little and I'd, I'd wake up early to get a jump start, and I would literally sit and drink my coffee. I get the whole mm -hmm. tea ritual. <laughs> now I, I think I'm about a 10 to tour writer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. Than... yeah, exactly. That's prime time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> prime time writing. But so at the different parts in my life, which I think you're going to ask me about, I have had to be a different kind of writer. When I was working full time, for instance, I really didn't have hours first thing necessarily, unless I got up really early, which again, not a morning person, or uh, would have to do it after work. I actually figured out that I could do it if I took my lunch hour. And mm. that was not a guarantee as anyone with a a day office job will know sometimes um, lunch hours don't belong to you or you're just, you know, in the thick of things and it's really not going to happen. But um, I, I got the first two books written that way, working a, a rather difficult daytime uh, office job, working through my lunch hours on my affection. I, th I think that's uh, inspirational, but fascinating also because you were in your, in your office job, were you in advertising? Did I get that right? I have been in advertising before. Um, public relations has okay. been kind of my lifelong, uh, you know, 20 plus years career for um, higher education and um, healthcare. So how do you go from a very technical kind of mindset to writing novels on your lunch break? How were you shifting your thought patterns to make that work? I actually did uh, discover that there was a way for me to shift from that sort of, you know, task oriented, furious, you know, squirrel activity that I was doing um, at my busy job to writing fiction during my lunch hour. I would look around for, let's say about an, an hour before lunch, I would look around for some kind of task that was more writing based. I didn't have to do all the writing at my job. Uh, I had a team of people um, who I managed and, but I did some of the writing. So I would look around for, you know, an email that I needed to write or a press release, so, something like that, where I was dealing with words instead of spreadsheets or, you know, phone calls. And I would switch to that project, draft my little press release or whatever it was. And then when it was time to go to lunch, I was sort of in that headspace of uh, at least words, you know, uh, depending on what I was doing that day, it could be creating, making sentences, or it could be revision, but at least I was in the world of words and kind of away from the frenetic energy of the other stuff I had to do, I had to do for that job. I love that because I know a <laughs> lot of people that are trying to shift, but I think it has to be a very conscious, deliberate thing. Even for me, now that I'm doing this full time, when I'm shifting from say my notes, on the simplywrite.substack.com to a magazine article to the novel, I have to um, organize, get in the in the the mindset of organizing those words and letting those thoughts go. And and I guess I, this is what I want writers to know: is it doesn't matter how you do it, but give yourself the space and create the habits that help you do it. Absolutely, and I do still keep that sort of. Um, task. I don't uh, work at the full-time office job anymore, but 
sometimes I have trouble with that transition again, you know, I'm, I'm having my tea and I should be writing, but I haven't talked myself into it yet. So I might, uh, you know, jot down a few sentences and, um, I, I call it a journal, but it's not really all that personal. It's a lot of it is about the book I'm working on right now. So I just started working in, you know, those fancy notebooks that you, you sort of collect or people give to you over time. Mm-hmm. I finally started using those Polly. I just grab one and that's what I work on the book, um, in, on my, in my spare moments, carry it around in my purse. And when I'm stuck, go to the notebook, write down some notes or, you know, some what ifs for the story, but also I might, uh, you know, jot down some thoughts or what's happening that day, just personally. So, you know, in the world of words, and that can get me, um, transitioned over to, okay, well, you know, these words aren't going to get me where I want to go, but if I open up the word document and start working, on my novel, those will. Well, I absolutely think that nice journals and pens are essential (laughs) too. But I'm like you, I had to grow up. Like in the beginning, I felt like they were too precious for my Mm -hmm. slop, you know? And uh, when COVID began, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm writing it all down. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I love them. I love that feel of pen on paper and thinking that way. And then, and then I bring it to the computer or it's more just getting the thoughts from my head out on the page and then bringing something, that mindset to the computer that's been working for me, I think. Absolutely. I've always uh, sort of gone to the notebook when I'm stuck or if I have, you know, a few minutes somewhere and I think I have an idea, jot it down, but I did I did actually do a little bit of actual, uh, you know, fiction writing in the notebook with the pen. Um, And I'm not sure why that was something that worked when nothing else was working. I actually um, had a little bout of breast cancer um, right after everyone was coming out of the pandemic, um, or at least the first wave of the pandemic. So I had sort of a certain, a a second lockdown um, and writing was difficult and making myself go to the computer was, you know, it just, it wasn't how I wanted to spend my time. Um, everyone was zoomed called out. Right. Um, <laughs> so the notebook and the gel pen at, w- were actually, I don't know, reassuring, or maybe I'm not taking this so seriously. So I actually wrote quite fast. I wrote this novel in five months this novel draft in five months, which is the fastest I've ever written a novel draft before. When you had all that going on, that's interesting. I want to talk about that a little bit. What keeps you going during the tough times and how we can do it too. And we're going to take a quick break and come right back with Lori Raider Day on Simply Right on the Electrocast Network. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And we're back. Hi, I'm Polly, and you're listening to Simply Write. Today we're talking with a crime writer or thriller author. I don't know, Lori Raider Day. How do I <laughs> classify? I can see it all. Domestic thriller? What what do we want to call your books? Besides great. I love them all. I'm a huge fan. How how do you define your work? That is, I mean, that's the question that plagues me, Polly. Um, my first novel, The Black Hour, was it was a crime novel from the very beginning, but I, when people read it, there was this whole conversation going on about, is this a thriller? Is this a mystery? And there are some delineations between the two, but I guess my writing has always kind of struggled to find the traditional way, you know, to unfold the way a traditional mystery does, or to be a clear thriller um, it has to do with you know uh, what what the main character is doing are they solving a crime or are they trying to prevent one is basically the, the difference mm. between the two and you know I don't really have an opinion on which story it is that I should write I just want to write a story that I enjoy um, that unfolds you know in an interesting way and has interesting characters and I I don't know each of my books has been sort of just a little bit different <laughs> some of your yeah. books seem very in, uh, seem very environmentally or, or they come with a strong setting sometimes it feels like the, it starts off with character death at Greenway was uh, was a really interesting setting but the the looming character of Agatha Christie, right? Mm -hmm. Among others. So they, it does seem like some of them start in different places rather than a series book where you know the main character is going to launch into something or is that harder? Do you think when you don't have rules around that when you, you follow your interests? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, because I've never done a series yeah. books. I think series writers always think that we who don't have series have it easier because we get to follow whatever our interest is. Um, and I, I think people who write uh, non-series books, standalones, uh, sometimes think the series people haven't made because they at mm -hmm. least have characters already set up and a location already set up. I think there are pros and cons to both. I don't know that I could do a series, although, you know, it, I wouldn't rule it out someday. I would maybe like to try. Um, but so far, standalones have been the way I've gone. And it mostly started because when I was working full time and I was writing during my lunch hours, I was turning down, you know, lunch dates, invitations from friends, from real people to go have fun and to take a break uh, so that I could go spend my lunch hour working at my other job, writing fiction. And, you know, with no, uh, with no agent, with no book uh, written in the early days, I, I had to make it fun for myself. And the way I kept it fun for myself was I didn't know where I was going, right? I'm still pantsing. I'm still just right seeing where the story takes me. But I'm also sort of thinking in the back of my head at all times, what's the next new great idea that I have? So I have, you know, an interest in the next new shiny idea. Um, there was a moment when I could have, you know, finished a book and then made it into a series. And I didn't, I turned away and, and worked on something else mm. entirely. How did you know when you were ready to leave your office job? Well, I had a bad boss. Polly. Oh. <laughs> I actually liked the job. I thought um, that, you know, the job was difficult and it was uh, definitely, you know, took up most of my headspace for the day. Um, but I actually enjoyed the job and had a lot of great people to work with. But I had uh, an overbearing boss who uh, now does not have that job. And so I think I can safely say um, that I, I did not enjoy working with her. And it became hard to do everything else I needed to do. 
So I had um, the chance to leave. And so I did. Um, and right after I left, not before, but right after I got my first big five contract that, well, let's give this a try. So I'm still doing that. I am yeah. not supporting myself. I think it's uh, more honest to tell you. My husband uh, takes care of the health insurance and, you know, groceries. But, um, you know, the trajectory is is still on its way. I'm not done yet. This is my, the book that I'm working on right now is my seventh book. And I think I have, you know, lots more to discover. Well, I hope so. Please. You have no, no say in the matter now, Lori. Get ready. What are you doing? Talking <laughs> to me? I know I got to hang up right now. <laughs> you know, I think that's an important point though. I'm not solely self-supporting too in the way I want. Like my husband does provide our health insurance, which is a huge benefit and deal and super important. And I know that no matter what my month looks like, my house payment, is going to be paid mm -hmm. by his job. Um, I have been self-supporting and it's a different kind of stress uh, and a different kind of schedule that I was keeping. So I do think it's possible, but, but I don't know that uh, I entered this career because I cared all that much. What I wanted to do was create a lifestyle that allowed me to have autonomy over my time to do the creative work I wanted. And I did a lot of things to figure that out. That's why I'm still writing corporate work and, and other things as well as my books, because that allows me to get some, uh, some payment, some income mm -hmm. that I otherwise wouldn't have. So that goes to that. There's all sorts of ways of doing it. And before you leave your day job or uh, a stable financial environment, you want to think about what you're willing to do, no matter what situation you're in. There's not a wrong answer, but it's one you need to know, I think, before you take off. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, and, and think about what kind of pressure you want, because there's a certain pressure to getting the writing done when you're working a full-time job that, you know, someone else is your, your employer, but there is a different kind of pressure, not having that kind of support. And, you know, what can you live with and what are you willing to, uh, to do to make a life? Absolutely. What can you live with? Absolutely. Um, I want to talk to you about the pressure because I imagine writing a second and third book is a whole different experience when uh, your your first couple comes out with a big five book deal and and you no longer are at the office job and do you still feel like you're able to write how you want or do you you have a legion of readers are you are you <laughs> needing do you feel the pressure to perform for them to create something that they're going to love how do you think about all that I do think a little bit about that. I don't know that I feel a pressure to write necessarily a certain kind of book, but I do feel that this is hard to answer, Polly, because I do keep in mind that, you know, that my next book needs to be a Lori Raider Day book, whatever that means. But I do think that I have sort of ranged a little bit over time so that there's a, there's a wider concept of what I can produce at this point, Death at Greenway being the biggest, of course, um, example, because it's a historical novel, um, which I am still surprised that I was allowed to do <laughs> and, and could do. Um, I'm not a historian. I'm not a researcher. Um, you know, I, I, I needed to research all of that stuff to figure out how to write that book. And then I had to write it, uh, let's call it three times to get it to where I wanted it to be. Um, but I think it also helped widen my audience generally, and then also what uh, people might expect me to do next. I have a lot of people who really want me to write another historical. I don't know if I ever will, 
I have ideas, but there are also a lot of ideas for contemporary. So my next novel is actually a contemporary novel. Hmm. Um, and I do have the support of my publisher when it comes to, you know, whatever you want to write. They, they did prefer contemporary this time, but who knows, you know, they, they do, my editor supports me in she really wants me to write whatever it is that I want to write, which is great. The whole time I was reading Death at Greenway as a writer, I was thinking about the courage it may have taken to write something that was really different than your other books. What did you feel like that was a creative risk or was it more risky just because you had never written? You didn't know how to do it or how you wanted to do it. <laughs> uh, it was risky in a couple of different ways. I, I do think I. I, I still have, you know, when I talk about this book, I just, I think I have like make this face because it was <laughs> such, it was such a difficult challenge for me personally to write um, historical set in England, um, you know, using a real place and several real people, uh, including Agatha Christie, who is one of my heroes, one of the first, um, you know, writers I truly loved. And that came with all its own pressure, its own mm -hmm. challenge, um, the historical stuff, its own challenge, the English stuff, its own, you know, not just World War II, but World War II in England, <laughs> Laurie. Um, and you can obviously tell I, I am not English, although I just had a reader <laughs> say, oh, I, I thought you were, you know, she was listening to the audiobook. I'm like, well, that's not me reading that, but um, thank you. <laughs> um, but it was also, I actually did think um, maybe this book will you know, make my career or ruin it. And that's an interesting thing because I didn't stop, you know, the, it was either, or it actually has been neither. It's been, um, you know, another, uh, thing that I am proud of another project that I'm proud of. It won an Agatha award this year, which, uh, you know, I may never have another chance at an Agatha award, um, the perfect book for that sort of thing. And it's brought me new readers. But it's also, I think, in, in some, not everybody likes historical novels. So some of my readers might have been disappointed in that book, which is, it's just an interesting, it's just, you know, like another step in whatever process it is. I really think that's the whole point of it, right? That's the whole point of, of being a writer is, is challenging yourself and, and exploring, diff creating means making something that's not there. It's, mm -hmm. it's coming up with something. And for me, a lot of times... The most difficult and even the worst experiences have been the ones that I really grew from and thought, oh, look what I Wow, look how much I learned. Look what I can do. Look what it broadened in my life. But I, I don't always embrace that in the beginning. Sometimes a little slow learner and it takes a while to, to come around to that thing that's going to lead me to the next point in career, or my next creative growth. I mean, I think sometimes the, you know, that's all there is, that the writing is, is a challenge for you personally and, and whoever finds it, finds it. Whoever loves it, loves it. Um, we can't choose it. I mean, if I could just write a bestseller, Polly, I would have done so by now. I, you know, I write what I write and I have to keep my own self interested or the books won't get written. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a long process. If you're writing something that you don't care about, I think that would be a, a really hard way to go to work each day. 
couple things I want to touch on before we sign off. One is you said you had this little bout of breast cancer. So I, I truly hope it was a little bout. But <laughs> what keeps you going through the ups and downs of your job, through the health issues, through the lockdowns that we've all had? What is the why for you that on the bad days when you can't ever write again and you don't feel like doing it, that you gets you up to do it? I mean, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, and by the way, the breast cancer is is gone. I'm one year, um, September 24th. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I'm feeling great. And so some days I don't get to the writing. And I think that's important to acknowledge that some days it just doesn't happen, but there are many things that keep me going most days or more days than not. Hmm. Um, and, and one of those is just my own curiosity, you know, my own uh, interest in this character that I'm writing, where, where is she going to end up? Where, what's going to happen in this story and the goals I have for myself, there are things I still want out of this career, you know, uh, seven books in that I don't have. And I'd like to see if I can make a go of it. And, um, you know, there are people with much longer careers than I have who inspire me to, to think, uh, you know, you know, they're 20, 30 books on. Yeah. Let's see let's see how, how I can do this. And the other part is the community in the crime fiction world. We have a really supportive community of writers and readers. We get together at mystery conferences. And I sometimes think, you know, the price of of the ticket to this community is to keep writing books. That's actually not true because readers are just as welcome as writers in the mystery community. But I think, you know, for me, my role in this community is uh, the author, an author. And do I want to not be here? No, mm-hmm. I, I, I absolutely want to be here um, seeing my friends and being on panels and talking to podcasters. And I don't know, it's, it sort of generates itself sort of a self, you know, propelling sort of thing. I get to write. And then because I write, I get to do all these other things. And I enjoy all these other things. Yeah, I think it's really valuable to remember that we always have a choice and it's up to me. And is there one quality that you think that you would tell the the writers out there that are contemplating their next career step? Is there one tool or skill or approach that you think is essential to creating a sustainable career? I do think that community is a huge piece of this or it can be not all the genres have um, quite the same community that the mystery community does um you know not quite as supportive maybe i i not having been in any of those communities i'm not sure um but i think if you can have you know peers someone who's also trying to get published if that's where you are or someone who's also you know finished with a draft but needs an agent you know people who are at the same level or maybe one step ahead of you that you can watch and see, okay, this is how it's done. This is what it looks like to be a working writer writing the kind of thing that I write. It can just be very lonely to write. You know, if we do our jobs right, we're in a room by ourselves most of the time. So it's good to have just, you know, a little group or a writer's group or just another a partner, somebody that you can swap pages with or commiserate with when things are going bad. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's one reason I do the podcast so we can come together and talk about some of these ideas and hopefully people hit me up on, on Substack and we can keep the communication going because I, I think it's valuable to talk about the realities of this and the joys and, and sometimes the hardship. I do think people focus often on how hard it is to be a writer. There are aspects that are hard, but I've had jobs that are really, really hard mm-hmm. <laughs> that I didn't I. even want to go to. And this is not that, you know, this yeah. is not that there are different challenges here. So we need to be clear about that. But remember, writers who are listening to us today, I, you share something in common with all the bestsellers out there. And that is you can write right now, anywhere, anytime, you can sit down and do the work and check out Lori Rader Day's books. I imagine they're wherever books are sold because I'm getting them all. So I love the lucky ones too. By the way, we didn't get into that. But anyhow, I, I look forward to your next one. Lori, where can others find more of your work or your short stories and the other things you're doing? Sure. Um, I have a website, um, Lori Raider Day, all one word, without the hyphen, dot com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm a little bit on Instagram. But yeah. Um, I'm all those places. And yes, wherever books are sold. Go get Death at Greenway. That's the most recent one out. And it's, it's a great book. Check it out and see why it's receiving all the awards. And you can find me at polycampbell.com. My newest book, You Recharged, is available wherever books are sold. And join me on simplywrite.substack.com. Remember, writers, you can write work that sells. But like any business, there are many things to consider before creating a successful writing business. Ultimately, you can sit down and simply do the work and then you have something to work with. Crafting a writer's life ultimately comes down to crafting good work. Start today, sit down and simply write. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's his dad? No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.